Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm near death, I'm under protest, and there's a drug scandal. Wow. That's a, that's a pretty strong network news opening right there. Yep. Near death and under protest is also the title of Glenn's autobiography. Absolutely. <laughs> also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I like to look on the sunny side of life. I just celebrate the good. The question I ask Matthew is, what's right with it? Mm. Then I answer it in a satisfactory way. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So you're, you're, are you a person who uh, took that song, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, and just took that at face value? That's exactly right. Just no irony or undercutting, nope. No, nope. nothing British about that at all. It's great. I super don't like Jed right now. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I like you anyway. I double like you. Wow, wow, that's like that's like a parable playing yeah. out right in front of us. I'm near death. That's true. Well, he's not near death, but he's also not joining us. Is Lee Younger, one of our our normal co-hosts, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church? He's on special assignment, doing something. Yeah, important. I assume. Isn't everything more important than this? Well, it's it's not a real show. Therefore, I'm under protest, as you all, as you know. Sure. All conditions have to be met in order for. And the by show. conditions, do you mean Lee being here, or do you mean you getting to wear headphones? Understand. I have a creative process. I will. Mm-hmm. I will not apologize for the process. The process involves wearing headphones and listening to Lee on the headphones. If you don't have that, it's not a real show. We've sure. got Lee songs on, like on my phone. We could just put you in headphones and just loop those through. Let me. Let me tell you what. Let's say I, I tell you, hey, look, I got me a pair of pants, but they got one leg in it. You'd say to me, you don't have a pair of pants. You have a really tight skirt right there. See what That's I'm true. This, the, definitionally, you got to have Lee on the scene or it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a travesty. It's a sham. It's a boondoggle, Jet. Glenn, because I like to look on the bright side, uh-huh. is there a chance this is merely an opportunity uh-huh. for us to develop an appreciation, nay, a yearning for Lee's presence in the future? I think it's definitely going to lead to that in the audience. Yeah. I'm going to punch Jed at okay. some point in this Well, episode. that'll be good radio. You know what the Bible says? What's that? Let a righteous man strike me, for it is a kindness. I don't think you're making a good case to not getting punched. <laughs> That's... Did, did the guy who say that said that in the Bible? Did he get punched right after that? I don't know, but I believe the Bible, Glenn. <laughs> That's right. I think you know what I think it is because Lee's not here. Jed's trying to be Lee. See what I'm saying? Oh, he sees there's a vacancy. He's going to jump in there. He's going to be Jed and Lee. So you're saying thing? Jed sees a, a vacuum has been created for respectable pleasant member of society right. that's right and that's jed right. is essentially doing his best impression of what that might be that's right that wasn't what i was going for but that does make perfect sense and i also feel deeply ashamed because i have no yeah. idea how to pull that you don't off. have the gear for that <laughs> no, well that's it's kind of not it's kind of someone you know doing trying to do their impression of a culture they've never actually been to yeah and, you know it's the guy in the movie who's trying to come off as british and the ruse is exposed what part of London are you from the the middle part yeah just kind of right. i just kind of out of stuff there yeah yeah no well and and here's the important stuff first of all i'm very near death horribly 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 ill now that is important but occasionally we have to remind the people of the rules of sickness right. both here at mission usa and on the say that podcast right and that is that only one person can be sick at a time that's correct because that's just civilization there's only the person who is sick gets all the sympathy. That's correct. And the uh, the key role on that is if Glenn is sick, he gets to be sick. Absolutely, that's right. I if I'm I, if I'm the sick one, then everybody be be not sick because it's my turn. Sure. Okay. Now, that may manifest in walking into rooms full of people who all have the same illness around at the same time and declaring, "Don't any of you try to be sick." Right. I'm being sick. That's right. You know, right. the other people trying to muscle in. See what I'm right. saying? Right. You got to say, no, it's not like that. I'm being sick right now. Right. So, so 
I'm dealing with that. I'm hopped up on Afrin. You got know, a lot going so on. Sure. That's, uh, you know, I'm riding that uh, train right there. Riding the Green Dragon. And uh, it, it, But here's the thing is, I would, despite all that, courageously, sure. I like to declare a, 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 a wheezing and gasping emergency. Okay. Oh. That was it. That was the emergency. Okay. That you were wheezing and gasping? No, just that, you know, that was it. Now... Here's what's happened. We got some people on the internet, and they forwarded to us a Twitter conversation back and forth, as people do on the on the Twitter. Sure, absolutely. Sure, it's a social media. Mm. Right, that's right. Well, so I, we we won't mention their names. For sure, we mention their names. Oh, I think we mention their names. If you tag us in the tweet, we assume you kind of want to mention. We've got Miss Noel and Miss Haley from Nashville. Okay. So Miss Noel says, "Can you tweet say that, or is that?" That's Haley. I, uh, given that you are a flu addle, do you want me to read uh, the? Please actual, uh, do. I'm dealing with a lot. Okay, so I got to read tweets on top of everything else. So what we got is Noel t- tweeted us a screenshot of a text conversation she was having with Miss Haley that goes like this: uh, Haley, tw- Haley, text Noel. Can you tweet say that? And ask why this week's episode hasn't been put up yet. A couple things on that one. I think they mean me, and I don't appreciate being referred to by the name of the podcast. Well, you know. And second, being that Haley is tagged on the tweet, the backstory I'm curious of is why she's using Noel as her Twitter muscle. Sure. Right. Sure. Just, you know, I could tweet him. Haley knows all of us. You, you, go ahead and, you go ahead and shake him down on that. Is she like the regional say that captain for apparently, that area? I don't know if that says more about us, more about Noel, more about Haley, but apparently if you need somebody to ask the hard questions yeah. on Twitter, you go to Miss Noel, which is fair enough. Absolutely. Right? So uh, Noel quickly responds to Haley in the text thread uh, because it comes out on Wednesdays. Mm. Now, the plot twist, of course, being... Uh, Haley's reply of, I just realized it's Tuesday. And then uh, Noel responds with hashtag superfan. Sure. So the the key thing to take away here is the people are ravenous for the podcast. They're out of their minds, okay? They're going nuts out there. Absolutely. And, you know, look, we all foresaw that this could happen. Sure. Sure. And we said, you know, we got to prepare for this day. Yes. What I can only take from this, and granted, this is a certain amount of extrapolation, but I right. think this—I think it's a fair jump to make—is that most of the time, back to your flu conversation, Haley just like uh, Nyquil's herself, just all the way through Tuesday. Right, right. Just I can wait six days, but I can't wait seven. Sure, right. that's right. So I just that's don't right. even do Tuesday anymore. That's right. That's right. You just gotta—you gotta distract yourself. Sure, you gotta rip Van Winkle through the Tuesday. Right, because what what you're dealing with is you're jonesing for another fix. Sure. sure. Okay, so now here's the thing. First of all, we try and explain to the people you've got to go back to the previous episodes. Well, actually, I tend to warn against that. You and you, you want to listen to those a good eight or ten times. Sure, you really soak it all in. That way, clearly lies madness. The first half dozen, you're just barely skimming the surface. Right, absolutely. But see, there's the underlying. You know, like you get your transcript out. Of it, you know, right, when you right. print that out. Well, then you know what you start doing. You circle every third word. See? Sure, absolutely. And then there's a message in there, and then you say, okay, now I'm getting this on a deeper level. Right, drink okay. more Ovaltine. Uh, that's right. Are we, going, is it this, are, we, are we Bible coding, say, our <laughs> podcast here? You hey, know we are. That's how, that's where the money is, y'all. Well, you go to the, the, the you know, the middle commercial break, and but then they realized Hebrew is read from right to left. Ooh. So when you go every third word, you got to start on the right, and then it cracks the whole thing. See what I'm saying? That, see, that's a racket I'm keen to take a whack at. Well, you know, there's another potential racket here, which is there's clearly a market, you know, kind of a, a gray market demand for advanced leaks of new Say That episodes. Wow. I mean, you know, if we uh, had access okay. to the Say That production facilities... Yeah. We could maybe, you know, get episodes before they're strictly speaking released and get them for a price to certain interested parties. Right. That's right. Well, I think it's fantastic. I think the thing we have to look at going forward is are we going to have to kind of do a 
Kanye kind of record Rihanna record couple of thing where eventually people are going to be sneaking in to say that world headquarters trying to get it from themselves. Yeah. Do we? Are there coming a time where we have to get out in front of the leaks? Okay. Okay. Tell me about that. Well, you know, you get the record companies now. So, oh, well, we somebody found a thing, and we are, and then they'll just go ahead and release the whole record because right. they don't want the leak. They want to, you know, have control over that. Right. Do we have to start thinking about a? We got to increase security to say that world headquarters. Absolutely. No we got to beef it up. Yeah. Cyber crime. Yeah. And whatnot. That happens. Getting hacked. Mm-hmm. That's a real word. It's totally. And I'm led to, from stock images on the internet, I'm led to believe it's done by uh, guys wearing stocking caps right. at their on computer. a computer. Right, yep. that's right. All yep. wearing all black. That's how you hack. Yeah. Right, that's right. That's right. But I say, do we, we got to be in charge of the of the narrative here, in charge Absolutely. of delivery. But I like the idea of, we also, you know, it comes at a price. Sure, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Now, there's another thing that confuses people. Now, you see, you go to download an episode. Well, you, that confuses some people. I've had to spend a lot of time explaining what a podcast is. This is like where you go, and let's say you want to listen to podcast number one, two, three. Well, you go on the, the site there, and you just are listening to it. Right. Now... Are we st- are we saying it? N- no, we're not saying it. You're just hearing it, right? Where you are, right? In another time and place, right? See, it goes from where it was, mm. beamed into the future, sure, and then you're listening to it in the future, right? See what I'm saying. I'm right. worried that on how tenuous. Glenn's non-virus-addled grasp on the idea of a time-shifted medium is, I think this may, we may go all the way through the looking glass right here. The combo of NyQuil and uh, (laughs) time-traveling media here. People are confused because they're like... People aren't, you are. Wait a second, I thought, say that was everywhere all at once. I don't think anybody thinks that. See, because like wherever I'm at, think we're the singularity. I can just be getting it. You know what I mean? We are not the Matrix. See here, (laughs) nor are we the end of 2001. Here's the thing: is people they're like, why can't I hear? Because I'm they're saying I'm in the future, Mm. and I'm listening. Yeah, they're saying sure. I'm in the future listening to this episode from the past. Right. Right. So they're asking the next logical question. I'm in the future. Why can't I listen to episodes from the future future? Right. You know right. what I'm saying? And that's like, we have to explain the physics of that. Welcome we, to Freshman Dorm Stoner Chat. <laughs> All writing is just a communication between the past and the future. Yeah. Whoa. Can't wait to tell my philosophy 101 professor about that. My hands can touch anything but themselves. Here, here's what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, imagine you've got a box. Right. Okay. There's a podcast that's in the box. Right. But you no. don't know if the podcast is alive or dead. Sure. You know what I mean? Because it's, <laughs> I know. it's falling in the woods, so it doesn't make a sound if right. no one is there to hear it. Sure, absolutely. It's Schrodinger's Buddhist riddle. Are you with me on this? Yeah. So the the podcast is simultaneously everywhere and nowhere. Can I measure the position of the podcast box? No, ju- because just by observing the podcast, you alter the, the state of the podcast. Mm, wow. You know what I'm saying? Wow. You can never, you can, it's like you can never be certain about this podcast. Mm. So that's physics. And that you can't argue with because it's science. Well, I, I feel like we really did a lot here. Covered a lot of ground. Well, we did a lot. <coughs> not going to evaluate the quality or whether or not we should have, but it certainly happened. The main thing is to recognize breathe. Yeah. That's always good advice. Be patient. Right. A new podcast episode will be happening every week, and we won't leave you hanging. Sure. And jonesing. Yeah. Wait for the podcast like the Watchman Witch of the Morning. Yeah. And on that deeply un- confusing note. Deeply confusing yep. note. Yeah, that was confusing. Everything else has been crystal clear up to now. <laughs> I overdid it. <laughs> I declare very cautious emergency off okay well there's some lessons in there for all of us right i don't know what they are but they're there certainly one of them is if you uh tweet us a funny little conversation you had about liking our podcast so much that you wanted to come out we will turn that into a surrealist 13 minute rant that ends in schrodinger jokes yep so 
as always in this podcast, we're sorry and you're welcome. Yep. Delete is necessary. And thank you to the makers of NyQuil. <laughs> we do have Glenn, who's all huffed up on the NyQuil. And Jed, who's speaking of social media posts that I greatly enjoyed, was recently uh, singing the praises of the Mountain Dew Code Red DayQuil combo. Yep. Which I have dubbed DewQuil. Yep, yep, that's good. That's good. Riding the Red Dragon. <laughs> so there's a lot going on. Yeah. Also, we're really at peak condition right now. (laughs) Also, the key thing to remember is you say, you know, sure, I get the podcast every week, but occasionally I'd like a little more. I'd like a surprise. I'd like something to come to my inbox full of neat things. You can do that. It's called Bridgebox. $8 a month. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. Get sermons, songs, uh, Bible studies, guest devotionals, lots of cool stuff right into your inbox every month. And all the money you get to Bridgebox goes to help us hire part-time employees to do ministry right here in the inner city. Help support the work we do behind bars. Help us get folks to job interviews, shelters, all sorts of good stuff for only $8 a month. You can't beat it. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. All right, we're going to jump into our first question here. comes in to our email address, and it says, I've got a question for you. You have found the appropriate avenue for that. How do I know if I'm a good Christian? I believe God loves me and Jesus died for my sins. I believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. I believe that I am a sinner who can do nothing outside of Christ. But since I've been to college, I've been doubting my faith, and it's freaking me out. Thanks for the help. And Jed, why don't you start us off on this one? Well, really appreciate your question. Really appreciate your writing in. And I appreciate your honesty with us. I think a big part of the answer to the question that you're wondering about is that it depends a lot, actually, on how you define what a Christian is. Um, if, if a Christian is a person who assents to a specific set of philosophical constructs, in other words, they have a list of uh, intellectual things they believe, um, then doubt would actually start to make you a bad Christian. Hello, Calvinists. <laughs> um, but it turns out that's actually not what a Christian is. Um, a, a Christian is someone who has a relationship with God um, through Jesus. That's, that's mm-hmm. actually what a Christian is. And so the thing about a relationship is the way that you measure the health of a relationship begins and ends with the health of the communication in that relationship. That's actually true in any kind of relationship. That's true in a marital relationship. That's true in a professional relationship. Uh, Relationships are healthy or not, depending on how good the communication is inside that Mm -hmm. relationship. So what that means is that having doubts actually isn't inherently a problem at all. The question is, are you communicating with God about those doubts? Are you going to him and telling him that I have these doubts and talking through them and processing them and trying to hear what he might have to say in response? If we're not communicating, then we're having a pretty unhealthy relationship whether we have doubts or not. The the communication is actually far more important than the doubt element. And here's part of why I say that. If you have doubts, which everybody does, people who tell you they don't are lying, everybody has doubts. If you have doubts... You take them to God, you talk them through, you tell him how you're feeling, you, you listen for his response both through the Bible, wise counsel from others, and the still small voice of the Holy Spirit in prayer. You will find yourself figuring out how to move forward in the face of those doubts. You will figure out how to wrestle with them. Some of them you will be able to put to rest. Some of them you will see new elements of, but it'll be a broader thing. But you'll discover that those doubts are not a roadblock to moving forward in your faith and in your walk. But if you don't talk through those doubts, if you don't communicate about them and talk through them, they will metastasize inside of you and become something far darker and far more damaging and and far worse. To me, the beginning and end of this is communication. Mm -hmm. Um, If you want to measure how you're doing as a Christian, how regular, how honest, and how real is the communication between you and God. I think it's a fantastic place, a fantastic place to start this discussion, and I want to pick up on something Jed said there, maybe throw this to you, Glenn, of doubts are not bad. Right. Um, that's a communication thing. But another way we can measure the health of our relationship, given that we're all going to have doubts, is how we do with those and what we do with those. If you look at the first sin that Adam and Eve committed, the first sin ever committed by a human being... Nudity. Yeah, no. No, that was fine. Oh. Everybody was fine with that. I grew up in the South, so And there was bacon, and everyone was happy, okay? Came off the bacon tree. Okay. And what happened is... a weird is name for a pig. The, these two 
they're in the garden. They decide we don't need God. We can use our own brains and figure everything out. We can eat this fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and then we'll be like God. We don't need God. We don't need him explaining to us, calling shots and ruling over us. I got this. That was mm-hmm. the first sin. I got this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think that needs to be examined in much more detail because I see a whole lot of I got this in the church without Absolutely. any concern about it. The second sin, uh, in my mind, is right up there with it, which is, here comes God, hide. Yep. Okay. Uh, and it's an interesting reaction, this idea of uh, uh, of uh, sort of the sin in itself kind of dictating the terms and the nature of my relationship with God. This yeah. idea that my sin means my relationship with God has now been thrown off in some sort of way. If I take those doubts, those fears about a backslide or whatever those things, if I take those things to God as Judge pointing out, he's going to break that down. Mm-hmm. Not, it doesn't work the way you think it works. Yep. You've got it set in your brain a certain it does. You know, doubting is... Uh, uh, it, it can hurt you. It can confuse you and upset you. These sins can make your life a living hell. Uh, and I want to set you free from all that. But it's not, am I angry and do I want to punish you versus I'm happy and I want to reward you. Mm-hmm. That's not the relationship that we have. In fact, I think I think people are very confused about the idea of what Christianity really is. As you said, I mean, we don't we don't want to sound overly philosophical with this, but the the reality is, when we're talking about Christianity, we're not talking about a set of behaviors. Nope, that's not what Christianity is. Now, it's it's important to put it that way because I think we think a lot like that. So. For example, if I put on a male carrier's uniform mm-hmm. and I get a big blue bag and I start walking up and down the neighborhood and I start handing people envelopes, I kind of am a mailman, whether I'm a mailman or not, sure. if you see what I'm saying. I'm behaving, walking, talking, acting just as if I'm an, a mailman. There's almost no discernible difference between me and a mailman other than... The fact um, that you are not employed think, by the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> right. so I think federal, federal authorities would disagree with that statement, but in theory, yeah. Well, yeah, you know. Um, people would think that I'm a mailman. They would treat me as a mailman. I would, you know, in their mind, I would be fairly bona fide and so on and so forth. Glenn, is this your way of telling us that mailman cosplay is a thing you do in your <laughs> spare time? Because that's cool. We don't No, judge. I'm trying to tell you about mailman spies that, that's, you know, are, <laughs> sure. are among us. But here's what I'm saying. Is, this, is, this is becoming a primary speech very quickly. <laughs> okay, here's what's happening is we tend to think in terms of we are the way that we behave. So if you mm-hmm. behave good, you're a good Christian. You behave bad, you're a bad Christian. This is something we are born into. Mm-hmm. You know, we die to our old selves, and we are born again uh, into this life. That means God is our Father. That That's a relationship based on a parental thing. It's mm-hmm. based on uh, this is essence of my essence here. This is God saying, you are mine. My behavior doesn't change that relationship. It doesn't affect it that way. So I think we have to um, understand our doubts in light of that, that God is big enough to handle that. The whole thing is, do we run and hide or do we take it to him? That's fantastic. Maybe we'll do another round on a couple of these questions without uh, Lee here. We'll get a little more content for you folks. But one thing I think is interesting off the back of that that I'd like to get us to kind of look at on this question is, you guys are totally right that the concept of a good Christian is probably... Fairly flawed. Yeah, fairly flawed. Not not that our question asker has got that wrong. It's it's there's a very imprecise way to word that of good or bad Christian. And you, you hear a lot of that, so that's a lot of what you're kind of internalized on that, I'm sure. But there's doing it right and doing it wrong in a not in a universal way, but in a very kind of in your own life, you either you know as we would say to people sometimes, either you're either growing or you're regressing. That's mm-hmm. kind of how that is. And certainly part of the way Jesus describes that to people is look to look at action. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the Peter thing. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. And, you know, mm-hmm. he, mm-hmm. you know whether it's mm-hmm. him observing the people, the, the widow and the Pharisee giving money or the way you treat people. So there are certainly things we're supposed to do, things we're not supposed to do, actions we're supposed to take that either show or lead to growth. So how do we... 
to take take it out of the context of good Christian, bad Christian, we're not though there's a biblical argument, we're not gonna put it in something as somebody as a good Christian goes to home with shelter and feeds the poor and a bad Christian doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. It's not that's it's a fair guess, but that's not entirely true. There's certainly people who are called to other things, but how do we take that in of there are certain things we should be doing, certain things God wants us to do, and certain things that show that we're growing, even if that doesn't make us a good Christian. So how do we, I guess what I'm asking is, how do we reconcile that idea of, you know, you're here, you're arrived, as you're saying, you're reborn, you're totally saved, you're on it, but there are things we want to, that God wants you to be doing that you should do that will grow you. Mm-hmm. How do you take, how do you take that on board without looking at, if I don't do those, I'm a bad Christian, oh gosh, and then looking at kind of some of that guilt stuff we were looking at. Well, I think a lot of it, it's a great question. And I think a lot of it is, um, we have a very Western mindset about the way things work. Mm. We, we want everything to be cause and effect and whatnot. And I think a lot of stuff in Christianity doesn't quite work that way. So um, if you look at it, and I know Matt will really enjoy this. If you look at it in the context of being an artist. Yay, um, art. Uh, an artist creates artwork um that but it's an outgrowth of what's in their heart right it's it's mm-hmm. not they don't it's not that they have to you know i mean um you know it, it, at age 60 if pablo picasso had never painted anything else it's not he wouldn't cease to be an artist i mean we all mm-hmm. that dude's for sure an artist you right. know but he he continues to because it's an overflow and an outgrowth of what's in his heart but it's also not the only thing that he does mm-hmm. right you know there's there's almost a cyclical quality to you have to you have to take things into yourself you have to draw things into yourself and then they kind of marinate inside of you and then the overflow of your heart speaks out in this artistic expression that's that's kind of the cycle of what it is to be an artist well there's there's um and that none of those parts are um, completely disconnected from the other, right? Mm-hmm. As you express something artistic, you develop an ability to appreciate other artistic stuff that you then take into yourself. And as you take that other artistic stuff into yourself, you're able to appreciate and think about things, see new connections you wouldn't have seen before, and then that manifests in the, the expressions you create. Okay, let's talk about that as a Christian for a second. The Bible says love people. Mm-hmm. Again and again and again and again, put love into action. Serve people, particularly serve people at the bottom of life. But love people, serve people. But that's not a an if a then b thing. If you are really a Christian, then you must go, do these things. It's not like that. It's far, 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 far more like being an artist, where God's love, you experience God's love. And then that overflows in your heart into action that is external to yourself in expressing right. love to other people. Right. But here's the thing that we miss when we keep it in, in kind of this theoretical context where it lives for most people. When you go and serve other people in love, you experience love in new ways in your own heart. You experience God's love in your own heart in new and deeper ways. You understand what the Bible says for yourself in new and deeper ways. It actually addresses your own doubts in ways that you wouldn't think it would, but it super does. Yes, it does. So it becomes a cycle. You go and you live out and express servant-hearted love to other people, but that changes you internally. And then that creates a wellspring of love and confidence within you that in turn leads you to more love and more service to other people, and so on and so forth. That whole process is transforming you. It's not something where, well, now you are a Christian, so you must go do these things. Mm -hmm. But it is to say that if there's a blockage, if there's a part of that cycle that's not occurring, then the whole thing will begin to break down. Mm -hmm. If you're an artist, who never creates anything, then then we will begin to have a problem. You will be unhappy. You won't, you won't feel satisfied. That all parts of this cycle have to happen for you to have a healthy life as an artist or as a Christian. Mm-hmm. That's really fantastic, Glenn. Maybe if you could uh, pick up on that and let's address this idea of kind of um, I I believe all these things, and then mm-hmm. there's some things I do, and that is as kind of Jed is saying there's some relationship there, but it's not a one-to-one. And how do we kind of understand that a little better? Well, I love what Jen was saying there really about this idea of overflow. That's, to mm-hmm. me, it's a very key idea. It's this, I, you know, the Bible says a city on a hill can't be hidden. It, this is just 
uh, he, t he says, you can silence my uh, disciples here, but the stones themselves would cry out. You yeah. know, they're, 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 it's just, there's some stuff that cannot be contained. If you've got it in your heart, It'll it's come out. going to come out. Is it going to come out well? Well, that's we don't okay. know. <laughs> It'll be that's the adventure. That's the adventure, you know. But uh, it's coming out. That's a th if it's not coming out, it's because it wasn't there in the first place. So think about it. if I if I got an elephant, I could throw a tarp over it, but I haven't really hidden my elephant. Elephant, yeah. you know. You you could still tell there's an elephant underneath there. I can, I can. Uh, 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 try and uh, sort of hide who and whatever it is I am. But I, again, I think it, it comes out in my essence. But I think the key thing is to recognize um, that Jed was saying by acting on these things, by putting this into action, it does also address the 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 doubts yep. and the weaknesses that we have because what happens is uh, the lord says to us um go to the place and help people with the thing and you say well i don't know how i would do that and i don't have time off from work and i would need to have this working out and i would need to have that work out and that seems silly you know well then all those things start to work themselves out and you think well Dang. <laughs> yeah. And it looks like the doors are opening. It looks like somebody's paving away. It looks like things are happening and whatever. And you you say, well, I guess my doubts in an all-powerful God who controls everything are probably pretty stupid because he can make it be however he wants it to be, and I don't have any reason to doubt that if that's what he wants, that things will work out, so on, so on, and so forth. But I don't, it's by being in action and seeing the Lord come through that I, those doubts begin to, 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 to slowly whittle away. So it's not that I have no doubts just because I'm engaging in an active Christian life. It's that uh, that's kind of part of my testimony. It's like, I didn't think I'd be able to be here and do this, but the Lord made a way. Yeah. And it, so here I am. So despite my doubts, you can see the Lord's you know, prevailed, and, and here's this good thing that's happening. Mm -hmm. I Absolutely. One of the things I would kind of close this out with this is um, kind of go all the way back to where we started, which is don't be afraid of doubts, and doubts aren't bad. I'll give you two things on that. One is, a, uh, the, uh, speaking of stealing Lee's bit, I'm going to quote a uh, very... Uh, renowned Christian writer, not C.S. Lewis though, so we'll have to we'll have to edit one of those in later because that's sure. how you know it's bona fide. This is a writer I really like called Frederick Buechner who said, "Doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep it moving, they keep it active." And I think yeah. that's absolutely true. And to that point, um, we talk about a lot on the show having uh, good goals and bad goals, and not ever having any doubts in your faith is not a good goal. No, and yeah. a, a it's not a good goal if you're never going to reach it. And B it's not a good goal because people who pretend they don't have doubts or want to hope they'll get to a place they don't have doubts, that really messes with your brain. Because you can go one of two ways. One, you can go, I'm going to read every bit of Calvinist theology I can until I never have any doubts about anything ever again, which leads to you um, being kind of an insufferable person and sure. you know, or just buried in a library doing nothing but reading things, which, as we pointed out, kind of stops with both the action and the getting filled with love so that you overflow it. But also, um, or you can go in a way that looks slightly healthier but actually doesn't play out in the end which is i'm gonna do so much good hardcore stuff that i am kind of doubt proof sure you know like people who do like mm -hmm. what we do or people who are foreign missionaries or pastors or prison chaplains or whatever um when they have a family member die they have the exact same doubts you have about right. god and whether or not he cares and whether or not he's there so this idea of i'm going to either do or read or think enough things that doubt proof me not a not going to work, not a good plan. So what we need to do, as we talked about here, is kind of, as we say, uh, sometimes judoing the doubts, kind of using that to mm -hmm. get it to a good place. And that is a good part of a healthy, as Jed, we started out with Jed talking about communication with the Lord. Sure. So mm -hmm. everything that feels like a weakness, you can make it a strength if you're willing to look at it in the right way. That's right. Move on to our second question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, Sometimes I find myself not really knowing how to respond when talking with someone I care about who clearly indicates parts of their life that are so destructive, things that they are even pr may even be proud of. Is it at all my place to say anything to them, whether they are saved or not, 
On the one hand, I don't want to preach to them at all, but I also don't want to go along with it. I feel sort of helpless in this. Is my role simply to pray for them and hopefully be a light, or could I be doing more? And Glenn, I don't know if you have any experience with people talking to you about their destructive <laughs> life decisions and maybe not seeing it, but just pretend and maybe you could help us out on this. Yeah, here's the thing. Um, I, we actually get a lot of questions on there is sin happening near me. It's right. everywhere. And, and I'm not pointing at it and rebuking it. Right. Am I in sin? Yeah. There's a lot of worry about that. I think they think that's part of what Christians do. They, sure. they may even be fooled in their minds that that's what pastors do, which mm. they don't. I promise you they don't. Not the good ones. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, you'd get punched in the face if you just went everywhere telling sinners that they're doing sinful things. The, you may talk about that on Sunday when you got your own crowd behind you. Sure. You're talking about people who aren't in the room, but you go, you know, you, you're, not te- you're not going to the gay bar to tell those people what you think yeah. about homosexuality. That, you're not doing that. Yeah. That's, you, you're, uh, you, you're, you're saying that. You've got to be a Westboro Baptist level of crazy to yeah. even consider that. Yeah. The, so first of all, that's not happening. Second of all, um, and, and I can't stress this enough, you are not called to preach against sin. Yeah. That's not something that you're meant to do. Um, your message, your testimony, is uh, the, the, to preach the gospel. Uh, the if if you if you look up the word, you know, evangelical, it's a u n galion, and that that means to to carry a message that is good, to carry the good news. Uh, that's what you're meant to do. Right. You you're a messenger who brings good news to the people. Uh, Sinning is bad, and everybody knows it. Yep. Yep. Take a second right now. Maybe write that down on a piece of paper. Put it somewhere where you can see it. Sinning is bad, and everybody already knows that. Yeah. Sinners know they're sinning. Even if they brag about it, they know it's bad. Here's another truth, and write this down underneath the, the first one. They know you're against it. Yep. Yeah. If you're gay, you know your super Christian little cousin isn't cool with it yep they know yep they don't need you to say it they're aware they're aware if you're cool about it i'm not saying ambivalent i'm not saying you don't care i'm not saying anything theological if you're just loving your cousin who happens to be gay and you want your cousin who happens to be gay to know that you love her no matter what you may want to make sure you say that out loud Mm, just in case but you don't need to worry about people thinking that you are uh, too permissive. That's right. that's not that's not a worry that we need to look at. Uh, uh, when when Paul talked about his preaching, he said, "I preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified." The idea uh, Jesus paid for our sins to take away our sins to set us free so that we have eternal life. That's what we're there to preach. Is talking about sin part of that? Yes. Does that perhaps sound something like, you know you're not perfect, and you know you do some shady stuff, just like the rest of us. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. This is how we can have a relationship with a perfect God. Take it or leave it. I'm just telling you, eternal life in paradise is a pretty sweet deal, especially when somebody else pays for it by hanging on a cross. That's the message. It is not a message about your sin and how bad it is. Absolutely. And Jed, maybe you can pick up with this on not so much what you're saying, but how what you do in your own life can be an effective way to kind of address this stuff. Totally, totally. So in the case with this particular question, you're very, very likely talking about some combination of either sex stuff or partying stuff. Or sex partying. Or sex partying, and hey, whatever you're into. Um I can't believe I'm in a Christian podcast where I can say that. But here's the key thing. Here's the important thing. Um, um, People watch, you know, Glenn's saying there's a lot of stuff they know. They know they're sinning. They know it's wrong. They also know whether or not you're having a good time in your life. Right. Like here's here's the thing that Christians typically do. The message they have is you're having fun. Stop it. You may guess that's not an attractive message to the world at large. Mm -hmm. You guys 
are experiencing pleasurable sensations and you need to just stop it. Right. That is, no one is signing up for that. Right. That's, that's a terrible, terrible message. Right. If you look at the Bible, God is extremely pro-sex. Right. Like, a lot. He invented mm-hmm. it. That's thing one. Um, it says in Proverbs uh, that uh, it, it, it prays that the wife of your youth would satisfy you always. Mm-hmm. And it's speaking sexually. That's, that's well, what it's referring a, to. This whole book of the Bible, it's basically romance and sexual stuff in there. Exactly right. Song of Solomon is all sex, dude. Mm-hmm. The, the whole thing. And, like, super explicit no, sex, it's, too. It's a metaphor for prayer? Nope. It's all about sex. Right. That can't be right. I was about to use a different word, and then I remembered I'm on a podcast. It's yeah. all about yeah. sex. There you go. Similarly, uh, Jesus went to parties nonstop. Um, he was a party animal. He knew how to have a good time. He knew how to cut up and relax and have fun. And he was accused of being one of those people. Because of that, my question for you is, are you in any danger of being accused of being a friend of sinners? Right. Because um, <laughs> if you're not, you may want to look at that. I mean, this is the thing is, um, if you really want to help these people, then it's about setting an example of the kind of life they could be living. It's mm. not about saying you're having fun and that's bad. Stop it. It's about saying, I'm going to live out what I think you ought to be doing, and I'm going to let the fruit of those good decisions be self-evident, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have a life where I just have a ton of fun. It may be a different kind of fun. It probably doesn't involve me getting stoned or high, but I have a blast, and everybody knows I have a blast. Everybody knows I know how to have a good time. If you don't know how to have a good time, it's a fixable problem, but you need to fix that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not really in a position to criticize other people's good time when you don't have anything to offer that's an alternative. Mm-hmm. Similarly, if you don't know how to have a healthy relationship that will someday in the context of marriage lead to something sexual, but if you don't know how to have a healthy romantic relationship, you're probably not in a good place to criticize other people's romantic relationships. Because the only thing you have to offer right now is just don't. And again, that's actually not a compelling thing. Here's one more bonus point on that. I think right now, I'm just guessing, but I think you feel shocked, appalled, and horrified by the things that your friends are doing. Mm -hmm. That's actually not the right attitude. Mm -hmm. I want to explain to you why. The things they're doing are not shocking. Right. They're not appalling. And they're not horrifying. That actually says a lot more about your lack of experience in life than it does about how wrong the things they're doing are. Mm -hmm. Let me explain what I mean. The thing about uh, sin, and it's super true of sexual sin and partying, uh, two things that are important to know. A, incredibly boring, like super duper mega boring. Thing two, it doesn't work. The thing you think it's going to do for you, it doesn't do. It doesn't. the, the, The massive... The thing about, if, if you could get God to distill and break down, God, why'd you say no to certain things? He, he would offer the following to reply. A, because it's going to hurt you. And B, because it doesn't work. Right. Mm. You're going to hurt yourself pursuing something that won't pay off. It won't, it won't give you the thing you think it's going to give you. God would say, I want you to be sexually satisfied. I, as the person who designed sex, I know how to hook that up. I know how to make that go. I I know how to put you in a position that would be sexually satisfying. As the person who created pleasure, I know how to put you in a position that is actually pleasurable. I know how to hook that up. You don't. That's part of why you need me. You need me to to guide you. The thing about sin is you're going to end up hurting yourself and it's not going to work. Right. Those are two bad tastes that taste worse together. Mm-hmm. But if you look at your friends' lives and you're horrified and shocked and appalled and you think that they should be crushed by the weight of their transgression, you're actually putting your own hang-ups on them mm-hmm. is, is actually what yeah. you're doing. And that's the way it's going to read. And that's the way it's going to read. Nobody likes that because right. that, that's the definition of you judging them. That, right. that actually is you judging them. But if you invest in figuring out how to live out in a godly way pleasure in your own life, how to have a good time in your own life, how to have healthy romantic relationships in your own life that include pleasure, mm-hmm. um, then all of a sudden it's a completely different ball game, and you can come in on the thing of, hey, man, I just want to talk about what works. Let's talk about that. And that's good news right. which is what the word gospel means yeah, that's absolutely right i'd like to kick this back to glenn for one quick follow-up here which is I, right on what uh jed's saying there of we've done a lot of kind of what not to do and mm-hmm. concrete because a lot of people run around doing things they ought not do right. as far as it comes to witnessing to other people but take a little bit of our own advice here to model the correct <laughs> why don't you walk us through kind of your general strategies for maybe something 
as Jeb pointed out, that is, uh, to most people, extreme and shocking, which is maybe some of the things we hear about at the bridge, be that, you know, living situations, drug stuff, kind of. Yeah. How do you handle those situations? And I imagine this may look different than people think it would. It, it really is, because the the problem, and this may be uh, uh, part of what you're dealing with, is timing's everything with ministry. Mm. The, I might sit down with a person, they might tell me 10 different problems. One is huge. The other two need to be dealt with sometime soon-ish. The the rest of them are just ir- background irritations that are making life hard to deal with and are being a distraction to some of those key things. Well, so the thing is I'm trying to do this one at a time. Right. That's really the way we want to make changes in our life. Sure. I can't tell them something about all 10 of those things that they mentioned. Well, you can, but it won't work well. <laughs> it really won't. So, um, so, yeah, there are times in conversation where people would say, well, you know, I got a problem with this. I have body image issues, and I also, my feet are too big, and I have things that I owe people money, and I have a thing, and my my car needs service. And I, I could say, I'm writing those things down. Let's talk about that later. Let's stick a pen in that for later. Uh, there are times when someone will sort of drop a bomb of I'm up to something I really shouldn't be. And it's just not the time and place. You know, one of us has got to run off somewhere or something. And I'll sort of lay a heavy hand on their shoulder and say, ask me about that later. It would be good for us to talk about that later. Sure. Assuming you're interested in my thoughts on that subject, ask me about that later. If they don't ask me about it later, I'm pretty sure they don't want to hear anything about it. And that's between them and God then. Yep. That's, that's on them. Uh, if they do ask me about it later, you know, what I'm trying to do is find a good news way of, of explaining, uh, you know, you know, I care about you, you know, I got your back, you know, I love you, it's not my place to judge you, I don't think this is going to make you happy, I don't think it's going to do for you what you want it to do for you, but for heaven's sakes, uh, you know, recognize that, um, that I, I think it'd be great for you to go a different way, and, and I think the Lord would give you strength on that and give you other opportunities on that. Uh, just one, one dude talking to another dude, but I got your back, and I'm not judging, whatever. That kind of thing. That's, that's not hard for most people to swallow. And again, if they already assume you're not in favor of it, it's better that they hear that out loud. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I think the, the thing that hurts us the most in relationships is the stuff that says that goes unsaid. You know, mm-hmm. those assumptions and those perceived slights versus the real ones can really cause a lot of problems. So, um, I find myself uh, sometimes saying to people, um, you know, uh, it, it, people will say, you know, well, I. I just did this, or I'm I'm about to divorce my wife, and I know you're going to tell me not to do that. And I say, well, you know, that that's the that's the official officially officially that's what I'm supposed to say. But why don't why don't you just why don't we talk like two people and see what happens? Mm-hmm. You know that kind of thing. I'm I'm constantly working to 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 acknowledge. Yes, that's not the you know yeah there's a thing there but i'm not you know and and understand i am freakishly strict about what i say behind your back is the same thing i say to you to your face so i'm not um i'm not sort of withholding from someone a negative thought that i'm not saying out loud to, to, to anybody I don't think anyone would say, what, what do you think about Glenn? Well, he withholds a lot of negative things. Yeah, no, if I, if there's, you know, uh, you know, we know some church people that are having a little bit of a, a conflict uh, here in Chicago, and, and they're kind of, we're we're not really caught up in it, but we're, we know all the people, so they're... We get they're, vented, too. Yeah, and uh, every time one side tries to talk to me about it, I say, I'm not on your side, go away. Yep. Yeah, that's that's it's that level of just so you know, I would rather have you know that I don't stand on that, but I love you and I'm friendly and it's not like that. And squash that before that gets to a weird place of like, wait, we talked about that a lot and you never said anything. So I, I do see the point of that question. But I think 
uh, using these tools, let me stick a pin in it, let's talk about that later, whatever, that allow you to indicate we need to cover that in some more detail when you're ready. Absolutely. I think the thing to uh, that I would close out on this is looking at that idea, and it's super-duper true that everybody kind of assumes that you're against this. That's that thing. If you, we get a lot, we've gotten a fair amount of questions on political stuff, sexual stuff. Person was like, "Well, but if they say it, and I don't immediately rebuke it, won't they think I just go along with it?" Probably not. No, no. That's really not the way that works. And here, the phrase I've heard over the last, I guess, four years I've worked here, I've heard Glenn and Jed say to more people in more extreme counseling situations. I'm talking max divisions of Cook County Jail. I'm talking, you know. Homeless on the street, I'm talking actively showing up high to a worship service. Can you imagine on street morphine? Sure. I just found it, and he sold it to me. Right. Street morphine. But is, tell me more. Yep. Right. And that goes back to that. Everybody knows. They know it's wrong. Right. So I said, well, we were partying right Like, oh, how was that? Well, you know, it's this, and okay. I I don't, and you can say, I don't really see the appeal, but it sounds like you had fun, so. Right. Great. And then you eventually get to, well, you know, then cops got called or he broke up with me. Like, well, tell me more about that. And they'll, they'll, they'll bust themselves out yep. before right. you have to right. bust them out. That's right. Yep. Which lets you be cool, be. Well, and if you listen more, what you may find is a real opening. You know, somebody's mm. talking about how it was, what is wicked party. It was wicked awesome. Right. So <laughs> awesome with the party. It was like, woo! And you say, well, tell me more. And the cops got called, and then Jenny broke up with me and whatnot. What may come out, if you keep saying, tell me more, just you know, keep talking. What may come out on the other end is a dude who does not like partying. No. And will tell you he doesn't right. like partying, right. but he's in a relationship with a girl that insists that they go to parties. Right. And so it's not about talking him out of partying. It's about... Wouldn't you be happier, particularly since she just broke up with you in a relationship with someone that likes you as you are? Maybe right. somebody that wants to talk to you. Exactly right. right. Wouldn't wouldn't that be better? Well, now all of a sudden, I don't have to talk this guy out of partying anymore. Right. Exactly. But I didn't know that until I spent an hour listening to him talk exactly. about his stuff. That's the whole yep. thing. That's yep. the whole the exact thing. All right. This and this will segue right into our third question here, which and a little different. This came in to our email address. It says. I do not want to be that Christian that everyone knows who shoves God and Jesus down everyone they see's throats. So so I don't avoid so I don't avoid talking about Christianity, but I don't talk about it unless it is brought up by someone and I'm that I'm having a discussion with. How do I know whether I'm not sharing my faith enough or whether I'm sharing my faith too much? And how do I judge that while talking to non-Christian friends? I think this is a very interesting question to look at in that context of reading my opening, how do I know if I'm doing that well? And Jed, maybe you can continue on that. Absolutely. Well, I think one of the things that gets us in trouble is we want to cast, we look at stuff that really matters, stuff like faith, and we want to kind of have that be in an arena of life where normal rules don't apply. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just all we bets. Want wartime rules on that. Exactly right. You know, all bets are off. We just got to do what we got to do. And whenever we start to have that sense, we really need to be careful. Let me put this into a different context where I think you'd be able to answer this question for yourself pretty easily. Let's say you were really into fitness. You're the kind of guy, you're at the gym five times a week, and you, you, know, you run the marathons, and you do the whole thing. Okay, if you're that person, how often would you bring up the importance of diet and exercise to your friends? Right. I mean, how often would you guys be hanging out, and you'd say, hey, by the way, you guys know saturated fats are bad, right? <laughs> like, you guys, we're all, we're all clear on that, right? And how are your, how are your guys omega-3s? Everybody, you doing, right. are you doing good? I mean, you, Anybody doing supersets lately? I mean, you would know not to do that. I, I think if, if you were, you know, the fitness guy, I think you'd have a sense that your friends know it's important to you, and they know it's good. Right. Kind of like we were talking about with the last thing. Everybody knows saturated fat is bad. Yeah. yeah, We're all aware of that. Everybody knows exercise is good. Right. I mean, in a weird way, actually, fitness is kind of a, a, a pretty useful stand-in for faith in the 21st century because it has a lot of moralistic elements to it. There, yeah. it's, there's stuff that's good and there's stuff... Hashtag no excuses. Dang straight. It's got stuff that's good. It's got stuff that's bad. We all we all know it. We're all... We don't need Trevor, the fitness guy, to come in and tell us. Right. We, we're all right. We're all aware of that. But if you were Trevor, the fitness guy, you would have a sense that your friends know that and that they know that if they have questions, they can ask you about that. You'll be happy to answer. In other words... If Cindy is thinking about, you know, maybe I'm going to start, you know, you know, doing a little jog and maybe that's something. She knows she can go to Trevor the fitness guy and ask if she thinks Trevor will be cool about it. 
In other words, if she thinks Trevor's going to try and talk her into doing supersets at the gym and blasting her quads and doing protein shakes three times a day, then she's not going to ask him about that. Right, right. right. If Cindy thinks that Trevor, the fitness guy, is going to say, hey, anything is improvement and that's great and I, here's here's two little things that'll help you know make sure you stretch afterwards and make sure you drink plenty of water right and that way you you have less you know soreness and stuff and, and that'll right. help right. well people want to talk to that trevor right right right, right. if they think they're going to get a complete breakdown of every de- the latest in uh, uh, you know high intensity interval training and how to take it to the limit with the CrossFit <laughs> Seal Fit, no one's going to talk to that guy. Right. But right. the thing, the reason I go through all that is you know all that. Right. You right. know if we were talking about fitness, that's how that works. That's how that goes. Your faith is not dissimilar. Right. It, we it, those rules don't cease to apply when we get in, into faith. Here's one more thing before I throw it back to Matt and Glenn. Christians tell a lot of weird narratives about this, but but here's the thing. Despite the angry Reddit atheists out there, nearly everybody thinks it's good to have some kind of faith in your life. Nearly everybody thinks that. They think it's it's good to, to have something you believe in, to have some, to do good to your fellow man, you know, to, to, to think about the big... Actually, everybody thinks that's good. Pretty much everybody. There's a reason why even people that are hardcore atheists have things that look suspiciously like church services that occur on Sunday morning where they get together and talk about important things and listen to Mozart. It's sarcastic church. Everybody thinks these things are, are important. Everybody thinks doing good to your fellow man is important. The reason they don't have those things in their lives is not because they don't know they exist, and it's not because they don't think they're good, and it's not because they don't think the absence of those things is bad. There are other factors. It's the same reason why not everybody is Trevor the Fitness Bro, mm-hmm. is because there are things in the way other than knowing that fitness is good and a right. lack of fitness is bad. Right. I think that's absolutely right. And it's a, I'm going to throw it to you on a, a useful thought experiment sometimes on this is, as Jed's saying, you know, with the rules go out the window, fitness is a good example. How do you talk about how often and how, in what way do you talk about the, Second most important thing in your life. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, uh, uh, that's what I was thinking of. I, I have things, and, and, and my two compatriots here are the same way. We, ha- we get on kicks. You know, we sure. like a certain musician, or uh, we like reading about a certain politician, or we uh, get interested in a TV show or whatever, and then we start talking about that. And, and of course, we bug each other about mm-hmm. it. And say, I am now going to send you a YouTube link. Stop what you're doing and watch this because how busy do you really think you are? This guy's playing the guitar with a bucket on his head. What are you doing that's so important? Okay, watch this. This is making you a better person. Whatever you're doing now is not doing that. Now he's taking a nunchuck break. And that's art. Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, so we get on these kicks and whatever, and, it, and this is part of of who you know sharing our lives and all that. It's, it's a good, it's a good thing. But uh, uh, part of that too is is having a key keen sense for uh, who might be interested and when and where they might be interested. Uh, there there are some things that I'm into that I know my uh, you know aunties and uncles might really want to hear about. Uh, if I see a really exciting Downton Abbey article, I'm not going to go down or, or uh, uh, episode or whatever. I'm not going to go down to the jailhouse and ask those fellows what y'all. They're Lady Edith is killing me, right? I mean, Lady right. Marion. When we finally got Matthew, where we wanted him in that situation, and then we, you know, it's just crazy. I mean, what are you, you know? She's bugging all the time. So here's what I'm saying: is you know, you got to know your audience, so speak. And and there, uh, we were just talking with the last question about timing. So I think that's. Excuse me. I think that's a big part of this thing is figuring out uh, when is it welcome and when and when is it uh, appropriate and what's we we use the sort of a, a, a musical uh, th- a phraseology to describe knowing what's the right note to come mm-hmm. in on. You know that if you if you know what key this song is in and you're playing scales you're playing in notes in that scale of that key then any of those notes are going to work but mm-hmm. if you play notes outside of that scale 
none of them are going to work. So mm-hmm. you have to recognize I, I've got certain openings and I don't have certain other openings, and 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 say let me let me start from a place where they're ready to hear it, where they're ready to receive it, and eventually we'll get it all in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely a fantastic point. Really, all, all the stuff we said in the previous question applies to this. It's just uh, a little less hardcore environment. This idea of how do I know if I'm talking about my faith too much or not enough? If you're, uh, as we didn't go back to the first question, in constant communication with the Lord about whether or not you're taking the opportunities before you, that's fine. Really, the only not talking about your faith enough is um, someone saying, boy, I really feel guilty and like I'm weighed down by burdens. I wish there were something, some philosophy or mindset that I could adopt, take that would not do that. And you just go, I, yeah, that'd be, good. that'd be good. This idea, but it kind of goes back to what we're talking about, this idea of, you know, it's the flip side of not calling out sin. If I'm not telling everyone that, and as uh, we pointed out, same thing flips. People know. Yeah. If they know you're on the Jesus thing, that's not clear. And again, back to outside of a very uh, small thread of people, people are cool with that. Um, there's the idea of that I think it's played out in many a uh, bad, even pre-God's Not Dead bad Christian movie of you go to the party and like, what's the matter with you? Why aren't you, why aren't you doing party stuff? Like, oh, I'm Jesus. I, I'm Jesus. And then they just cast you out. Right. And uh, from personal experience, I can, I'm sure we can all point out that the way it actually goes is, why aren't you doing that? That's nah, not my thing. What are you like, religious or something? Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Because right. that means more for me. Yeah. Right. And people are really cool with that for the most part. Right. Do you well, mind being my designated driver? Right. <laughs> That's a witness it, right there. Yeah. And, and if I can real quick tack on what you're saying is I think that sense of, of being aware that people do know, I think is – think of it like this. Way. I was putting a little thing on my blog the other day, and I was talking about humility. And, the, and I was saying, you know who's humble yep. in your life. And you really mm-hmm. do. I want you right now, just as a thought experiment, sit and think, who is a really humble person that I know, that this is actually a humble, humble person? Okay. Now you take that person in your mind. Now, here's the second half of that thought experiment. There's a person you know that acts humble and is not real hard, and this was not the same person you thought of. Hello. That's a different person. There's a person that goes, Oh Lord, we just right now we just want to pray mm. and we just all we want to do, Lord, is we just wanna come before you. It's for the majesty of your glory and the fame of your praise. We just hope we don't mess everything up. <laughs> and that person is rubbing their sincere humility laden selves in your nose. You didn't think of that person as the humble person, but you thought of some. Now, if I asked you the humble person that you thought of, why? Why is that? What makes that person humble? I bet you you would struggle it's to tell. Not me. saying humble things. Yeah, it's just I don't know. He's just humble. Just he has a humble way about him. He just it's it's weird, but it's kind of just not. Uh, it's it's ineffable. That that dude's just. He, he's humble. I think people sense our faith and they see it in that way if it's real and if it's genuine. Absolutely. All right. So we appreciate you listening. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumble.com. If you write on the Tumblr, make sure to mention the podcast so I know you want the question read here as well as on the blog. We're going to take out the song. Since, G- since Lee could not join us this week, we're going to take out with a Lee song. This is a version of an old spiritual he did, really cool from last month's Bridge Box called Jesus is on the Main Line. We talked a lot about um, kind of, you know, listening and being in communication with Jesus. This is a very cool song about that. Lee did a great job with this. So we're going to take out with that. Thanks for listening to this one. We love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's we'll say that podcast. You know I love you all, but now it's time for my next dose of night. Jesus is on the main line, tell him what you want. Jesus is on the main line, tell him what you want. Jesus is on that main line, tell him what you want. Call him up and tell him. Never be
Tell him what 